It's Monday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. And Frank is not with me this morning. I believe he is uh, still getting his ass handed to him by elk. Uh, he and I had been chasing him with David Hoff the last few days. And uh, i got to be honest with you. I got tired of getting cold and I came home. Um, Frank's going to be okay by himself today. I wanted to sleep in a bed and not freeze my ass off. It uh, was six degrees yesterday. So anyway, I figured this morning was a good time to get a hold of my good buddy Rob Patuto with the Stickbow Chronicles. And uh, you're an hour earlier, so thanks for waking up early. Oh, yeah. If you can't hear the coffee machine in the background, that's just what I'm up to. Yeah, so you're you're in the uh, far north Idaho where the chickens wear underwear so the hoot owls won't rape them, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they wear long underwear. Not the briefs. It does get cold up there. Uh, but before we get going, so everybody knows, this will be not just about traditional archery, but fairly heavy in traditional archery. Um, I've, I don't want to get any hate mail. I've weaned it way down for you guys that message me that there's too much. So this one definitely going to be about traditional archery but uh rob has his own podcast called the Stickbow chronicles which i really prefer that one not not that there's anything wrong with the other ones but uh just the kind of the way it flows uh the guests that you have it's not overly tech savvy and it's not like extreme pound your chest primitive it's 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 just a good podcast about shooting traditional archery and what, how long ago did you start that, and, and how's it been going for you? I mean, I know, but other people might not. It's not easy to get going in the Stickbow podcast world, and you've done damn good. So uh, kind of what what are your thoughts on, like, have you had any big surprises where you're like, wow? You know, um, I, I think it was July, July of 18 that we, that we started. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was – I was just going to – just BS with people because I know a lot of people that know a lot of people. So I didn't think yes, we're going to be a problem. But uh, it, 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 for some reason, it resonated with a lot more people than I thought. And uh, yeah, it's gone kind of crazy. You know, you come on quite a bit here, I don't know, in the last six, eight months. Well, maybe longer than that. And wasn't prepared for the... Uh, the younger crowd, um, I thought we were going to be, you know, speaking to the 45 and up crowd and they're not, they're not the real big podcast consumers. So I didn't, you know, I didn't think the following would be that big, but somehow we got speaking to the, uh, 30 and up crowd and they are the consumers of podcasts. And so, yeah, I'm a little taken back by the amount of interaction and, uh, the amount of new people. I mean, you know, this uh, giveaway we're doing, um, what, December 1st? It's going to end December 1st with the first trad harvest. She's um, the pictures that we're getting from people. I mean, their first trad kill is pretty amazing. So, yeah, going good, man. Yeah, going what, real good. What Rob's talking about with that was um, he did a giveaway for submitting in photos for your your first trad kill or first trad harvest depending on which way you swing you i just say both i don't think you're technically supposed to say kill anymore you're supposed to say harvest oh, yeah although i don't pick the deer out of the ground uh i shoot it whatever but that to me i was kind of curious on 
because it, you know, in 16, I, I picked up the stick bow and a lot of people picked it up from what I was seeing because I did. And there wasn't as the grasp on it as when, as this year, you know, in 2000, when I say this year, 2018 and 19, you know, I shot the, the compound in 17. And I'm only speaking about me because I kind of base off of, of what I'm talking about off of the replies and response and photos and everything I get. And I would have to say this year is astronomically much larger growth than the last three or four because I get a lot of these photos that you get and I'm like, like I got four last night, uh, two bucks, two does. Dude, I bought a Samick Sage. I thought I was yeah, crazy. Yeah. I shot my first doe. I'm selling all my compounds. You're right. This is awesome. And, and that warms my heart a little bit because I'm like, all right, it's working. That's cool. They're seeing what I saw. And, and you are, you've been doing this shit. You know, you're, I think you got me by 10 years in age and you've been shooting a stick bow pretty much forever, haven't you? Yeah. Since Christ yeah, was a kid, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I've got probably the I probably got the most unique uh, story on how to get how I get started in traditional archery. Um, but uh, yeah, the, you know Bailey Smith, you you familiar with Bailey Smith? Right? I, we just did a podcast with her, my homegirl. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, she's a classic example of you know a, a young person that's been successful with uh with compound and she's just you know she's ready to try something um a little more challenging and not to piss anybody off because most all of my hunting buddies shoot compounds um but yeah she's i don't know inspired to uh pick up stick bow so that those that story is so common so prevalent and it's it's pretty crazy it's, it's pretty cool i don't you know, like I said, most of my buddies uh, shoot compounds, hunt with compounds. You know, for everyone listening in that just wanted to see what the hell we're going to be talking about, one of the things that I've mentioned to rifle guys that, that ask me about it that are they don't they don't touch a bow, right? They're they're rifle guys. Um, you know, they were like, "Dude, my kid's interested in this," and I'm like, "Well, man, go buy you one." And nothing says you got to go, you know, on a twenty five thousand dollar doll sheep hunt with it. Go out and shoot pine cones and shit like just you know it's good for the family right like just go out and see if you like it and maybe you'll go on a turkey hunt or something and 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 ex kind of explaining like hey here's you know here's a couple podcasts to listen to here's you know you can go down in, in my case here rocky mountain specialty gear you can get some lessons so it's not you know because i went full bore you know on like donkey kong sold everything i had that you don't have to do that shit right like <laughs> you can just do it for fun too and see if you know you like it and that's why that's why the samic sage is a great great bow uh somebody messaged me uh a few few weeks ago maybe a month ago like hey you know i, I got a samic sage and i'm shooting it pretty good but i, I want a custom bow um, I want to hunt with it. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you know how many photos I have of first kills uh, with a Samix Age? You know, so you're into it for less than two hundred dollars. I mean, and it's and it works. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I mean. I try to be, you know, I don't pay for shit, right? Like, I'm like, guys, I'm not buying these things. Like, I, a lot of boyers want me to test them out as well as you, see what I think. And, you know, obviously I'm going to help their sales if I shoot them. And I, sh I shoot what I, I want to. Um, but, I, you know, if I had to do it uh, again, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, initially, like you can, um, 
you know, there's a lot of custom boyers and they make some some relatively uh, inexpensive is not the right word, affordable um, options. And then you've got like the Hoyt Satori or Buffaloes. Those, uh, you know, that's a machined riser, a couple different limb options and a little bit more um, uh, price uh, affordable. It's 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 a cast. It's a machine aluminum riser, so it's not going to break. You know, that's a good option. You can find buffaloes and you know used and everything else. And you know, I'm like, don't go full on Donkey Kong initially unless you're that Type A personality with a lot of extra money. Because you know, as you're writing your, not to get all Donnie Vincent here, but as you're writing your book on traditional archery, the chapters are going to change greatly from what I've seen. And so what you yeah. first think you want, you may end up, I want a three-piece recurve like Snyder. Well, your fifth chapter may be a longbow. And if you spent 1400 bucks on a custom recurve, eh, you're going to be like, shit, what do I do with this now? So it, you yeah. kind of figure it out. Yeah, it, I will say that uh, unlike compounds, uh, they do carry their value pretty well. It seems like, seems like when you pull it, uh, compound off the shelf. It, it's like a car. It oh, comes man. off the shelf, it loses quite a bit. But uh, no, they last a long time. They carry their value for sure. Yeah, and and uh, and I think the thing, like I am not a wood guy. Like South uh, uh, just built me one, and Trent Wingard, uh, and and South is stick stalker stick bows. Wingard is uh, Wingard archery, and then I shot Black Widows, which is Black Widow. All of them have enough options to confuse a person and so when you when you're ordering one if it's custom i don't know what is that spalted maple i i couldn't point out spalted maple on my best day no idea right i just shoot yeah (laughs) so i usually you know if guys are ordering a custom bow they'll send you can get pictures and you can look at the different overlays and wood designs and you know my general is i like greenish and black and make it badass and uh, I really don't know after that, so good luck, because I'm not super picky. I'm more of a function guy. But, man, I tell you, you can get some works of art, like like afraid to take them in the field works of art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, if anybody's, if anybody's interested, I would not listen to what I have to say or what you have to say and, and talk to bowyers uh, because they can, you know— th- they do that for a living. We just talk about it, right? <laughs> oh, and I'm I literally am like, Hey, what what what'd you have your bow made out of? I'm like, some wood and some other stuff. I don't know. I don't I, I had them do it and I just gave them some options. You know, I'm like, I like greenish and, and dark. You know, and other guys since there is uh like the black and white ebony is one that I know of which is amazingly cool color and so you can get really decorative. I just, you know, if you're going to order one for the rest of your life, which generally doesn't seem to be the case for anyone. Some guys order or own 80, 90 different recurves in longboats. But, you know, you really want to get exactly what you want. So you kind of want to know what you want before you order what you think you want. That could take a while. Um, I know my yeah. views have stayed pretty much the same on the bow length because I had Tom Sr., you know, to help me out. Um, yeah. But, like, you shoot a longbow quite a bit, don't you? No, I've never touched one. What am I thinking? Oh, no, no, you were shooting a, a Tolkien, but it wasn't a longboat. Yeah. Was yeah. No, you're thinking that 50 styles recurve. I shot uh, three-piece, um, you know, heavyweight, uh, mass weight risers. 
I shot those for a long, long time. A guy named uh, Dale Dye, he's since retired out of Hamilton, Montana. He had trails and bows. Um, I probably shot those for like 20 years. And then I just got a hanker and a shoot a, a 50 style um, recurve. And that's more of a, uh, it's a, it's a one piece, um, you know, it's a, a thinner riser. Um, it's, it's a lighter, um, lighter mass weight bow. And I, and I shot that, I don't know, for probably seven, eight years. Uh, yeah, Tolkien, um, out of Montana, Montana bow works, but, uh, Black Widow is making me a three piece right now. Um, so I'm going to go back to the old three piece. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, for those guys, you know, people listening in and I won't go into this too much cause you can go hop on, you know, which everybody listening in, just go follow Stickbow Chronicles on Instagram and go subscribe and all the shit you're supposed to do to be a, a good follower. But you can listen to about all about this stuff in different podcasts on the Stickbow Chronicles. But, you know, you want to make sure you get the right length of bow in accordance to your draw length. You know, there's different high wrist, low wrist, medium wrist grips. Um, you know, I generally have mine customized a little bit. So like, like you know, Rob said listen to the bowyer for the most part the only thing i would say if you're coming from a compound you probably want to get a low wrist grip with a minimal amount of palm swell um which is why i have to have most of my i shoot an extreme low wrist on compounds you know and i same thing i shoot a low wrist on on stick bows that's about the only thing i would say if you're transferring over from a compound you're probably going to shoot low wrist unless you're just a high wrist shooter with a compound other than that, you just got to make sure you get the right length of bow that's pretty close to the length of your draw so you don't get a lot of finger pinch and fire away. Um, you know, that's something I, I hear you talk about often, you know, like your Q&As, people say, hey, I got a, you know, a 30-inch draw, what length bow. Uh, there are, uh, you, can, you can shoot a little bit shorter bow than you would think, uh, depending on the limb design. You know, um, like Black Widow, uh, talking to those guys, um, Dan Tolke, Dan and Jared over at Montana Bow Works. Uh, you can get, you know, you shoot, what do you shoot, a 64? Uh, 62 and 64, either one. Yeah, how long's your draw length? Mm, 29 and a half. Yeah, you can, depending, they design, they design, um, you know, limbs to be efficient in certain, um, uh, draw lengths and you can you can shoot a 60 inch bow and, and still get you know 30 inches out of 30 inches of draw out of it and still be in that efficiency window i'm glad rob brought this up because it's the efficiency is is one thing um and if you shoot a 64 inch bow with my draw length you're actually losing efficiency 62 would be i'd say maybe more textbook and 60 um, is extremely doable for me. It's, it's how the, uh, string, the angle is on my face and how it feels on my fingers, not efficiency. And I should mention that cause I generally don't, it's just what I've become comfortable with and not an efficiency thing because I definitely could shoot a 60 inch bow without issue. And it's and it could be mental too. I was the same way with the compound. I, I needed at least a thirty six axle to axle bow, and I got comfortable with that. And longer was even better. I liked the longer bow, 
and I don't have issues maneuvering that bad boy around in the woods. But you know what? If I was ground blind hunting and tree stand hunting and I was limited to 20 yard shots, you know, there's some argument. Why would you go with a 62 or 64 inch bow? Um, and I've just gotten comfortable with that. And I always give like the textbook general definition of what they might need. And then I just hope that the boyer will walk them through. Because if a guy's got a, I think they say like 28 ish is 60 inches you're working on 29 to 30 you're 62 when you're working past 30 you're 64 that is a maybe a more of a textbook answer um and i, I mean i don't know if yeah. you agree with that or i'm going off of what you know i've read Absolutely. because a lot of this like yeah i've killed a bunch of animals i'm still a relative rookie at a lot of this stuff like i i pick it up quick and i shoot a lot and i there's a lot of things that i can I can answer any clicker question you have, any tuning question you have, but when you start talking about different body types, different draw lengths, Rob is going to know more than that than me because I haven't done it long enough to to go through that many scenarios. So, I mean, and you shoot a 58-inch bow, don't you? Yeah, um, and that's kind of when, when my eyes got opened. Uh, seven. I don't know how long it's been, but uh, when I first got introduced to uh, Dan and Jared Tolkien um, and because you know, I know I was on the same page I mean 28 inch 60 inch bow um, when I went over to their shop and met those guys and uh, they started to explain to me well you know your efficiency curve in your limbs and how they're designed to uh, um, you know to, to match your draw length uh, that's how they were getting these shorter bows when, um, and very efficient, you know, and you talk efficiency, you're talking, uh, they're going to be quieter bows, right? You're going to get the most out of them. Um, yeah, I don't know the technical aspects of it, but yeah, he asked me to draw a length and Hey, if you want to shoot a shorter bow, you know, this is how we design these limbs. And, and that, that little, that little thing snappy, man. Oh yeah. And I, again, um, I think that uh, the fact I will reach out and touch something a little farther than others yeah. o- others yeah. might, you know, and that's going to maybe push me to a little bit longer uh, bow. Um, just like on a, you know, at most tournament shooters aren't going to shoot a short compound. And I, I, my goal is not to shoot something at 40 yards, but I, I practice out to that distance. Um, you know, and, I, and obviously this year I don't think <laughs> – Every shot's been pretty freaking close, including the the misses. But I, I I will shoot a little farther, and that has to do with the equation of the you know what I end up with when I order a bow too for the length. Yeah, you've done okay. I mean, what have you been shooting a stick bow for three years now? Yeah, about yeah, well, two and a half, yeah, something like that. You, yeah, you you killed a couple things, haven't you? I've got a, a three or four. <laughs> I hate to even answer that question truthfully because I don't know that people would believe um you know the the number so when, you, when you shot that goat you remember you got back and you shot that that last goat you just shot and what did i what did i message you if i didn't know you i'd say you're full of shit you know and you're not the only one that's messaged me almost exactly that like a few guys have said i'm really happy that you post what you do because then i can give my fr- middle my friends the middle finger when they're calling telling me you're full of shit and it, it's not that it's anything I'm doing uh, overly extraordinary. It's it's where I live, how much I train, the amount yeah. of time I have off. You know, there's a lot of – and the, 
have no fear of heights. So you get to do some pretty cool shit in cliffs when you have no fear of heights. That's that's just a fact. Well, <laughs> but well, you know, you just you just said it. You know how much you train, how much you put into it. You shoot more arrows than anybody I know. I don't think it was humanly possible to shoot that many arrows daily. Um, you know, somebody, I posted something earlier this year. Uh, a couple of elk, a buddy and I had uh, killed during the archery season, the opening day a few years back, and. and <laughs> Somebody said, boy, you know, that's, you guys got lucky or something like that. And, and to what you're saying, I mean, well, yeah, when I spend my whole life, um, you know, preparing for August 30th, yeah, sometimes you get lucky. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> luck favors the prepared, a hole. the shit out of me. Yeah, we got lucky. Uh, There's some luck involved, but yeah, you know what I'm doing in February? I'm shooting. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know. about August 30th. I think though that what what I've been doing and and you on you know and kind of what we're everything you know kind of get the message getting out is I it, God eating crow a bit when I first started shooting I always would say this motherfucker better be happy I don't have a compound in my hand because it would have been dead <laughs> right and Lander told me that would go away and he was right and then it got to a point now and and Tom Clum would be like. How the hell do you even shoot an elk at 100 yards? I don't even see him at that distance because that's how I set up, right? I would set up for a potential longer shot if needed. And now it's totally different because I would argue I'm not as accurate from 40 and in with my stick compared to the compound, but I would argue I'm more lethal um, from 40 and in with the stick Within reason, definitely 30, because I can shoot faster. There's no peep to line up. You know, all these different things. Like, guys are like, oh, when you missed that buck in the high country, I bet you wish you had your compound. I'm like, I wouldn't even have gotten the fucking shot with a compound. Like, I need to drop stop in the F-bomb. But I'm like, <laughs> being realistic, I, I can't draw a compound sideways, and there's no way at the angle. And, and I posted the, the photo in the cliff so people could see how extreme it was. I wouldn't have gotten the shot. You know what I mean? Like people have to be realistic. The compound is definitely more lethal, but not always, you know, there's, there are times that, you know, and you've touched on that quite a bit. I mean, and kind of give me your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I, I like that you broke it down. The, it, um, to, to sit there and shoot a Vegas five spot, uh, with a, with a recurve, I'm not going to do that. I can't, that's, that's not my accuracy level, you know, uh, a pound of five spot all night. Um, but the difference between, you know, pinpoint accuracy and lethality, uh, I, you know, this year, um, I had a, uh, kind of a, a newer bow hunter with me elk hunting this year, you know, he'd been bow hunting, I think four years and had only been to exposed to a, a compound. And I got a bull that comes in at, at seven yards and, you know, I got a shift. I got to shoot in this weird position. And, uh, when he watched me do all that, his, his kind of scales fell off his eyes. He's like, man, you know, that bow, you can do so much more with that bow than I thought, you know, uh, you know, cause some people just see it as, Oh yeah, you're up in the challenge, man. There is a, uh, there's some, there's some definite benefits to shooting a, a stick bow, uh, you know, as far as, you know, just getting a shot off, um, and, and the different positions you can shoot in. It's, it's not all, um, you're not, you're not just upping the challenge. It's, it's a lethal weapon for sure. 
I just got another first time buck. Holy cow! Yeah, I um, I I agree, and I would not have agreed uh, a while ago, right? I just flat out, like I said, eating crow. But again, there are there are times totally that you know it can't be denied. I mean, it's easier to shooting a compound, and 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 it's more lethal in some ways. But you know, it's it's um, I tell you, you get an accuracy level up of. You know, inside of a paper plate with pretty quick shooting, there's going to be times where you're like, man, I'm glad I had a stick in my hand. That Wolverine was one of them. Um, <laughs> you know, it was raining so hard and I had to get shot off fast. Peep sight probably would have been full of water. Uh, to get that out, you kind of have to blow in the peep, right, to get the water out. Um, I, I may have still got it, may not. But, you know, the other thing is, too, is, um, you know, when you're, Shooting something sub ten yards, the silence and the the, the slower movement of a, of a stick is very much preferred for me compared to there's a, it's a little herky jerky um, drawing a compound back. Um, and I don't, I'm a huge compound guy, right? I love shooting a compound. It just got boring, and all like much like Rob, a lot of my friends are shooting. I don't really have a stick bow hunting partner close by. Jake Downs, you know, right? He's he he and I hunt together, but. Um, you know, it's not like we can't all get along, and it's um, you know, it's handy sometimes to have a guy with a a compound with you on on certain hunts because he might go on a, a stock that maybe is out of that thirty yard and in range, and uh, you know, you send him in, and then you get the next one that's maybe a little bit closer. So it's it's not like you can't have a hunting partner that shoots a compounder, and you know, it works out fine. I get that question a I, lot. <laughs> yeah, no, my my buddy Jake. Uh, that I hunt with most all the time. I mean, he shot a compound. He's, you know, he's just, he's not into bow hunting like I am. That guy, if there's a season on, he's grabbing a muzzleloader, rifle, whatever. But shoot, I mean, I, I, I hate to miss a season um, not hunting with him. Uh, but yeah, he's, he always busts my chop about shooting a stick bow in the inner circle of making fun of everyone. And if you can't take getting poked fun of, I mean, you need to man up and I don't know, grow a pair. Like, like there's, well, exactly. And I, I've talked about this. Um, I did a, a Q and a yesterday. There was multiple questions about a specific person in, in company, um, which I'm not going to go into that, but to answer some of people's questions, if you surround yourself with people that tell you you're awesome all the time, Eventually, you think you can do no wrong, and there's no filter for being a dumb fuck. Well, when you surround yourself with people like my good friend Rob, who aren't scared to tell you that you're a dumb shit, it's kind of a a check. I also I have Jeff Lander and Clay Lancaster and Bart, who remind you frequently that you're not as good as you think you are. Slick, slim it down or slow it down a bit. And I think it's important that. You know, you have friends that you can give each other crap to, and and you're not afraid at all. I mean, we just were talking the other day about a certain thing, and you, you threw your two cents in, and you weren't afraid to to say it. But if you're a yes man, like, oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're you're yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's not well, that's not good. If, if I can find somebody that thinks I'm awesome that can tell me that, hey, I'm going to hang out with them because I even yeah. found anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Still looking. Oh well, yeah, you're, you're, I'm gonna kick you to the curb, Matt. Oh well, I give you an idea how uh, how much you gotta love the Lancasters. Bart's uh, message to me was, "Have you killed that deer yet, or do you still suck?" 
you gotta love a guy like that right or then i got home he's like so you you suck that bad you came home early and i'm like i'm going back in he's like well let me know when you don't suck i'll talk to you again that's kind of you need that in life i think i mean it keeps you grounded there sometimes though they're they're a little harsh where i got to take a few minutes before i want to reply because i'm in tears because i'm like oh that one cut deep (laughs) (laughs) well you know i just mentioned my buddy jake um I got a message from him, geez, I don't know, a month ago. I, sh- I should show you the chain of text messages. It's literally, I've known him since he was 17. He's kind of like a brother to me. And we have, he has busted my balls forever about shooting a stick bow. And he, he messages me and says, hey, man, um, Aaron, his fiance, Aaron and I would like to start shooting stick bows. Hook us up. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a slow pitch, man. I'm thinking I am knocking this one out of the park. <laughs> oh shit! He, speaking of the stickball thing, I didn't listen to it yet. So Rogan and uh, Cam brought me up. I think so. They're they're they're. I don't know about Cam. Rogan has definitely made it very clear to get rid of the recurve and go shoot a compound. He's like well, you know, accuracy. You? Yeah. Oh yeah. He gives me shit all the time. First thing Rogan ever said to me in person when I said I was going to shoot a recurve is he looked at me. I know straight face. He goes, "Why the hell would you want to be less accurate?" And he's kind of stayed true to that. Um, in, which I don't know exactly what they talked about on the podcast. I, for the love of God, I had a compound on my fucking backpack. I packed in my buddy's compound. I did. I was filming the goats behind me. Didn't even think about it. A plethora, like 150 messages came in, like in the first five minutes that had to do with am I shooting a compound? Is my shoulder bad? Is it too hard for me? Am I giving up? And I'm thinking, <laughs> my God. And so I had to do a public announcement of stop asking me questions, but. I, I think that, you know, you, you until someone, yeah, this is going to sound totally non-manly, but until someone gets to feel or see or do that of shooting an animal inside 10 yards or watching that arrow flight, you know, and in my case, the fake feathers, the trad veins, but whatever, that arrow rotating through the air almost in slow motion and, you know, the amount of effort, you know, speaking like with Rogan, you know, he, yeah, he he fights in a cage, right? Well, who the fuck would want to do that? Well, you think about it, like, my whole life walking into a bar, I just looked around and think, yeah, I can take him. I can take him. Ooh, I might not be able to take that guy. That might take some effort. <laughs> right? It, you're testing yourself. And I really like the challenge of the stick. Now, I will say there are times I'm ready to snap that fucker over my knee. But when it finally comes together, you kind of forget all the rainy days, all the bad ones, because it's there's just something about it that's hard to put into words. You know, I don't spend a lot of time. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about what other people shoot. Uh, but a guy like Joe Rogan, I mean, he hasn't grown up hunting. The only correct me if I'm wrong. The only reason he started hunting was because I think Steve Rinella drug him out. Right? Yeah, maybe that, that correct. Something like that, or he watched Cam, yeah. or a little of both, something like that. It's really about what what you're trying to get out of it. I, I think you you obviously have, have uh, really kind of thrived on, uh, you know, getting close to animals. I mean, for, for, and that's what you get out of it. That's what you're looking to get out of it. Um, a guy like Joe, I mean, he hasn't shot a lot of stuff. Um, I guess I can't speak for what he's trying to get out of it, but to me, it's, it's like, uh, you know, hell, I could... I could have killed a hell of a lot more stuff in the last freaking 30 years with a compound. That's not what I'm trying to get out of it. Right? I don't care what somebody's trying to get out of it, but when they, 
when they can't understand and, and decide they need to bash on somebody because they don't realize that, you know, hey, I, I don't need to kill somebody, something at 70, 80 yards because that doesn't feed, feed what I'm uh, hungry for. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And they definitely... He wasn't, they definitely weren't bashing, um, from what I understand. Again, I need to go listen to it. I think it was more of a didn't understand it type of a thing. But I will say, like, Luke went on that goat hunt with me, and his eyes were kind of opened, you know, when we snuck in. And I'm, I don't know, a couple body lengths above this animal for 45 minutes. And, you know, he watched. He's like, Jesus, that was, I've never seen anything like that. Was And I'm not talking about seen anything like you know that i did or frank did anything that spectacular but you know watching someone come in you know much like you watch a a south video right the stalker stickbow video you watch south get 12 14 feet above a deer and and kill it you know it's it's pretty freaking like wow man you can get close and nothing wrong with the compound or the you know whatever i just i think once someone does it and it's not like in my case, I, I'm less successful shooting the stick. You know, maybe if I was a vegan for five years in a row, I'm like, ah, maybe I better grab the compound. But I, I still, you know, I'm still filling the freezer and I get so much more, you know, out of it that it's, it's, uh, man, it's hard to explain in words, not to go on a rant there, but. You're, get, you're going to get all emotional and stuff. Probably. I got a migraine this morning. I had to take that pill. Uh, and so I, that pill that I take, it's a, it's like it's a sumatriptophan, which is like the generic for uh, some other shit that I can't remember the name of. It's supposed to help my memory. No, I'm just kidding. But I guess there's like an anti-anxiety <laughs> in there or something. And because uh, I was like, man, I hope I'm not too mellow on the podcast. So people think I'm like bored, but I, 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 I drank a bunch of coffee. So hopefully it wound me up a bit. But uh, if I start that, crying, I'm blaming the it on the pill. Is that the same one that makes you lactate? No, it's a totally different pill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Think back in the days when I was juicing up. Thank the Lord, uh, I wasn't prone to that because I've I've been in that bodybuilding scene where you do see guys uh, lactate. I thought that was a joke. Are you nope. serious? Nah, that's true. And they get uh, oh. you call it bitch tit, but it's um, gynomastasia. <laughs> you grow female boobies. Um, it happens. I've seen it. You got to have surgery to get rid of it. I am not prone to that, but I have seen guys get it. And you want to talk about shredded ass, ripped up dude pulls his shirt off and he's got little boobies. That'll wake you up in the gym. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Yeah, we don't generally talk about this stuff on the Stickbook Chronicles. <laughs> no, this this podcast, we're a little different on Kafaru Cast. Um, but yeah, the uh, you brought it up anyway. I'm blaming you for the lactating thing. <laughs> Oh, but for, well, let's get off the subject of lactating. You shot a cranker bull this year. How big was that thing? Uh, you know, it looks bigger in the picture than in uh, real life, but it was 320. And even um, at half speed, it's pretty good. 320 is not exactly yeah. a dink, especially for an over-the-counter tag. No, um, you know, but shoot, I put a lot of time into this. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I got pretty pretty lucky hunting some country i used to uh gosh when i was freaking 25 years old i used to hunt down this country and if i knew i was going to be hunting it when i was 50 uh i would have thought i was stupid it, it's some pretty hardcore shit um but 
yeah, I had that new guy with me. That was pretty fun. Um, he, uh, you want me to walk you through it? Yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody what happened. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, we had gotten into, uh, we got into a bull the day before and, uh, my buddy here, uh, Kenny, super cool guy. Um, first time he ever draws on, on, uh, on an elk with his bow and he ends up missing it. He just, uh, he just panicked, punched the trigger. Um, so, you know, he was kind of reeling from, from that, uh, from that encounter, you know, <laughs> he was pretty pissed off. And so the next day it was, uh, I was the shooter the next day. It was freaking really foggy. Worked down this ridge and, and, uh, had a bull sound off across the way. And, and, you know, people are, people are, there's so much information out there as far as calling elk and, you know, what you do and this and that. It's, it's, it's hard. It's not really a right and wrong, right? You just, you're just trying to sound like a, gr- a critter out there. Well, we parallel this bull for like an hour. He's 400 yards away and, and I know where he's going and we're just walking and he can hear us. <laughs> he's getting pissed because he thinks we're, uh, you know, a, a satellite, you know, dogging him. So we end up, we end up 60, 80 yards from this bull and, uh, trying to get up in front of him to get the wind right. And we get up in the cliffs and he can still hear us. And he's, and by now he's pissed and we haven't, we haven't bugled at all. And, uh, he, he bugles and I turn around and, and he is right where we just left. He's down below us in the cliffs and he's looking for his, uh, he's looking for the agitator. And so we drop down and again, uh, you know, I told Kenny, I'm like, man, this is it. You know, <laughs> there's no time for thinking you got to go and you got to be aggressive. So we bail out of there and, and, uh, we run right at this bull. He can't see us, but he can hear us and, you know, it's a big burn and decomposed granite and chicken rocks and, you know, run down there. And I get Kenny set up in this little bowl and, uh, I tell him, Hey man, you got to be aggressive. You know, he's going to call. You got to be aggressive. So I moved up and, and, uh, I probably moved 10 yards in front of Kenny, just what the uh, vegetation allowed. I could see the bull at 60 yards kind of facing me. I could see his cows behind him like 80 yards from me. I could see his cows back there. So Kenny bugles in, and the bull turns around, and I don't know if he was going to just walk away or if he was just checking on his cows. So I, I gave Kenny like, hey, man, you need to pick it up. So he he hammers his bull. and and the bull turns and here he comes. And I, I was set up like I'm going to get a shot facing him. And, uh, instead he comes down to my left and he's crossing me at seven yards. And I had to shift and lift my bow and get around through all this vegetation to, uh, to get ready for a shot. And I just can't believe the bull doesn't see me because there is nothing between him and I. Well, the bull's standing there and he's staring at Kenny, who unfortunately didn't decide that he needed to hide. He's just standing <laughs> in the wide open. Yeah. Uh, well, so that was good for you. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, we did a podcast on seeing that, you know, to me, the bull's looking at him like, man, that Sitka gear really blends in those rocks. Looks good. So, uh, <laughs> So I kind of rushed the shot and I hit the bull in the shoulder and, 
you know, that's, that's some country you don't want to, you don't want to have to go any further than you need to. So I, uh, was able to get another arrow on. I got through the shoulder blade and got one lung, but man, you know, that can go a long ways with one lung. So yeah, like, I, like I the rest of their lives. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I got another arrow on and, and, uh, cow called, you know, just stopped him and, uh, hit him quarter way hard, 30 yards, 36 yards. And he took it. He took the arrow like a champ, man. Um, he went and bugled at his cows one more time and, and, uh, tipped over. So it was super cool to have a, a brand new guy with me. You know, he was pretty freaking wild eyed and, and uh, yeah, it was just fun. Good stuff. And, and you, um, you've been in the, uh, what, what was you the, uh, triple canopy rainforest of Northern Idaho your whole life, basically, haven't you? Well, <laughs> no, actually, you know, if people, people listen, they can hear the, the uh, New England accent. I'm yeah. I'm from the East coast, but I've been up in Northern Idaho since, uh, yeah, the early nineties. Yeah. And, you know, I know you, you got a healthy respect for this country up here, but I would say that this country really lends itself to bow hunting. So this bull I, we're talking about that, uh, that I killed this year, that was down the central part of the state. Um, hunting here in North Idaho, it's so thick and gnarly. Uh, but, you know, when a bull hangs up here, he hangs up at like 40 yards where that country down there, it's more open. You know, when they hang up, they might hang up. 80, a hundred yards, uh, is as miserable as this stuff can be. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, good terrain for bow hunting. Definitely built for, uh, yes, yeah, what Avery kept talking about. It's built for, uh, stick bow shooting just cause I know I had three or four different bulls less than 20 yards from me that I couldn't see. Um, <laughs> it's a little frustrating, but, um, one good thing when you blow them out, they don't go as far as Colorado. They might go 14 canyons over and uh kind of like rose roosevelt's they don't go quite as far you know it's funny as uh, uh people out of staters who come here you know because when people think about elk hunting they always think of colorado because that's really where the best elk hunting is is in colorado no idaho <laughs> is way better than colorado <laughs> by far yeah, yeah. bozeman yeah. everybody go to bozeman uh, it's better beer too no you know? um uh, out of staters come here you know and uh, they generally don't buy, though they don't come back because it's not like what you dream about the big open, you know, oh, it, alpine it, stuff. It'll smack the bitch out of just about anyone. I can tell you that firsthand. There's nothing better than seven days straight of rain and underbrush. It's, uh, remember when Dwight Shue talked about hunting in North Idaho and he said, it's like hunting and there's a, you're at a 50 story building and there's an elk on the 50th floor screaming. And there's somebody dumping water on your head, and about every third flight of stairs, someone whacks the shit out of you with a tree. <laughs> he said, that's, that's hunting in North Idaho. I would agree with a lot of that. There's, I picked more pine needles out of my ass crack from hunting in North Idaho in one hunt than I have in my whole life. There was a, there was, we used to joke around uh, about being the club. If you were in the club, you've killed an elk that when it fell and you walked over to it, it wasn't touching the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that that's that's legit man that's legit They'll, yeah they fall in these alder patches and you're like huh well i can just crawl under him and make cuts on the underside <laughs> uh, 
that and, uh, you know, forearm pads is not a bad deal because you all season long you're pushing through alder. You know, your freaking forearm takes a beating and a finish <laughs> on your bow. And, that's what my buddy calls it. He's like, I'm like, what'd you do today? He's like, oh, just been pushing the woods. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, geez, you got to push through half of this. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's, it can be miserable, but it is really good. Uh, it's, it's made for bow hunting because I, you know, you might as well hunt. If you get a rifle hunt up here, you might as well use open sights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord. It's, yeah, it's bad. Um, now with, uh, Kind of everything, um, uh, how would I put this? Uh, you and I, I'll just say it because um, so you don't have to and we'll dive in. There is a, a large amount, like with anything, I'm not turning this into to negative, um, just so maybe sh- there's a lot of responses you'll see when people are getting advice of something to the effect of, I've never done it, but here's my advice to you. Um, and... You know, there's there's actually there's podcasts, a lot of podcasts out there, and there's some good, some bad, and and um, you know, one of the you know for for information on shooting the the stuff that Tom Clum and Joel Turner do, um, the guys on uh, the Push, uh, they do a lot of good stuff, and um, you get good info from a lot of that stuff. The one thing that I think people do, um, I don't know what uh, what tells his name the. Cody Greenwood, uh, the, the I call him the pipe hitting dork. The uh, what are they? What is it? Trad Lab, right? Is that Trad what it's lab. called? Trad. Okay, yeah, so Trad lab. the one the okay, so I, I shoot three five inch feathers or four four inch. Right now, now I'm shooting veins, but same thing. Um, you know, Cody does these uh, these tests, and I can see why people have hated me that own archery shops because guys will say, I need X99 string material. They don't know why. They just know I shoot it. Well, I don't know how many guys chopped off four, four inch and three, three, five inch feathers after Cody did some test. And I'm like, guys, (laughs) calm the fuck down. Do you know how many animals have died from three, five inch feathers? Like, 40 for my hands, and I just started. Like, you know, guys get, I got to shoot three inch. Cody said so. And this is nothing against Cody. Or what, right, I'm not, but what I am saying is no matter what I say or those guys say, I think what, what especially what some of the things Cody does is, is good for people to know from broadheads and flight and things like that. But there's a big difference between testing in, and it, Cody, don't get mad at me as I'm saying this. This is just my opinion. Testing in the field, hands-on, hanging off a cliff, rain, snow, and testing in a controlled environment. And I and they try to do both. I, I don't – I think you know what I'm trying to get at here. People don't get wrapped up too much on a lot of that shit because it's not crisis level. And you've been doing this with – don't take this the wrong way. You've admitted it yourself, not the highest – you can tune a bow, but you're nowhere geeked out as much as some of these guys nowadays, and you've been getting it done for – you know what 30 years 20 years yeah yeah you know you yeah uh <laughs> you're exactly right uh first off you w- once i got to know you we start bsing and your level of uh engagement in your equipment nowhere near what i had done i mean so i i look at it and go why would you do that i've taken a lot of it to heart and it's improved what i do it's just things that you 
things that I've done for years have worked. So when all of a sudden everybody comes on the scene and, oh, you can't shoot five inch feathers or, oh, you can't shoot veins or, you know, fill in the blank. It's kind of like chaps your ass a little bit. Like, really? Because we've been doing this for a long time and it works. The, I don't care. Whatever you want to do, just do it. The problem I have is that people that are just getting into the sport, you know, you call it a sport or pastime, lifestyle, whatever you want. Hobby. When, yeah. What's that? Or hobby. Hobby, yeah. Uh, when you start uh, jamming these guys up because, you know, oh, oh, I can't do this. Well, why can't you? Just go out and do it. I mean, I, yeah, that's probably saved. <laughs> I don't want to get in the weeds too deep here. Yeah, some of it does chat my ass. Just like freaking let people alone and, you know, give them a little advice. But if you, have, you know, that's, that's a big reason why I started the podcast, because I listened to a couple of guys that really, you don't even, between the two of you, don't have 10 years worth of experience in, you know, on here having a traditional archery podcast. Just, yeah. Um. And the only reason why I bring this up, and, and again, for everyone listening in, I'm not, this isn't directed. I'm, I'm, again, I just started this stuff, and people listen to me. I, I also try to caveat and make sure people understand it. But what I don't want to happen, um, if, um, if someone says, me included, that, um, you know, I shoot a mountain muffler bowstring. Um, and, I initially shot uh, this the you know just the little rubber spiders right just the cat whiskers. Um, I had a ton of people message me. I thought you were a cat whisker guy, and I'm like, well, that's what Rocky Mountain put on my string. Does that does that make me a, a cat whisker guy? I guess so. And then I shot the mountain muffler, and I like that. And uh, it's got the ones I'm shooting now have synthetic silencers and. If at one point in time I'm like, this is the only way to go, you got to do this, you know, it's a lie because people have done it 40 different million ways. There's, you know, there's several ways to skin a cat. And there's certain things that, that people say out there that get, well, they were, <laughs> they were making this huge deal. So my buddy, uh, so, and I, I really like Joel Turner and, uh, and the push guys and Tom senior, I fuck with Joel and he fucks with me back, but Joel's got the whole mental, right? He's the, he's the Dr. Phil of traditional archery, right? He's the brain doctor. You know, Tom is the, the mechanics dude, the shooting guy, the Yoda, and then the push guys kind of orchestrate it. Well, my buddy Matt, um, I don't know if I pronounce his name right, Fugnies, right? He's with, uh, his buddy from Arkansas, they're hunting elk. And Joel says, and this is where you got to have a, a, an open mind to getting made fun of, including Joel, which he does. Uh, it does not matter how good the shot was or something to that effect if you don't hit your clicker. Well, Matt drew back, perfect shot, hit the clicker, shot right under a cow at 35 yards. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of shit flinging over that perfect clicker shot because he missed, right? So... When I shot that that goat, a lot of Joel Turner followers being funny messaged me, it doesn't count, you didn't hit your clicker because I couldn't get the full draw. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and what I'm, you know, getting at here is when you're getting into this, I had Tom Sr., so I was extremely lucky. Um, he took what he had with me, kind of molded it and made it work. 
I don't have great form. I hunch over. Hand kind of comes off my face. I got kind of goofy shit going on. But you want to take all of that stuff and kind of mold what's comfortable for you that still that that works. And and guys, I get so many messages on technical side of stuff of what they've got going on, and they're not a hundred percent textbook, but they're consistent. And I'm like, man, probably not the best coaching advice, but if you're consistent, that's what matters, you know. And 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 Tom was able to take that with me. And, and my inefficiencies and goofy things and mold them to help me be consistent with some issues. And, you know, that's the mechanic side, the brain doctor side. And I don't know if you've ever had target panic. Joel helps out with being in control of your shot. And if you've never had target panic, ah, I don't know what to compare it to. Syphilis, maybe it's not good, right? It's bad. It can end a career. I mean, how many guys do you know with target panic that just destroyed them? Oh, oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's an ugly thing. Have you ever had it? You know, um, yeah, to 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 varying degrees. Um, and and I, you don't real. I didn't realize the extent of what I had going on until I put a clicker on. Uh, but I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just, if you shoot a bow, you're going to get target panic. Am I wrong? No, I, I, mean, I I've had it. And it's inevitable. I just, I got it for a couple of days. You, the thing is, is it's like alcoholism. The first step to recovery is admitting you have it. Cause if you're in denial, I can pretty much tell you it ain't going away and you, you got to kind of start from scratch and, and, and re, you know, you got to kind of redo um, rebuild, I guess, right? And and uh, and I'm only bringing all this up because for all the listeners, I'm sure guys are, what's target panic? Or, oh, mechanics, or I've got this going on. And there's so many different outlets, um, you know, to, to go through to get to, to, to get going. You may not have a local coach. You, you know, you may need to get online and, 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 and get with, well, in the case, I'm a huge fan of Tom Klum Sr., you know, get his instructional videos online. The, the one thing I will say is if you're truly not internet groups, people dropping softballs and you and I've talked about this, you're like, I shoot pretty damn good the way I'm shooting. I don't think I want to change. Well, yeah. why would you? You know, I mean, in, unless you think you can improve and you've, you, you said you're about at a softball at 30 uh, when you're, you know, obviously uh, when things are going good. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think I did say that. And I, I misspoke. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm holding them in a pie plate at, at uh, 30 which is good yeah. right i mean yeah. don't go off internet groups people because i can tell you most people they're only taking the photo yeah, of the good one hell yeah man i don't put a freaking gnarly nasty group on instagram hell, no. that's I'm a sacrilege no every now and then i'll i'll show a miss just to make sure people know oh bullshit i haven't seen it I didn't say I do it a lot of times, right? But it was funny. Last night I was shooting uh, my, my shoulder, my wings a little still screwed up, my rhomboid. So I'm I'm shooting way less than I normally do, but trying to just you know be be perfect, right? And get because I got Alberta coming, which is a you know good potential of shooting a big deer. And, and uh, I shoot, and it's in the driveway, and the arrow skips off the driveway rocks and pinwheels the twelve on my bedded deer. <laughs> And, and my wife is, uh, she's a bit of a smart ass. She's like, are you going to go take a photo of that for Instagram? Like immediately, <laughs> right? 
I was like, well, <laughs> hell yes. She's like, are you going to mention it hit the rocks? I'm like, no. <laughs> but you, the, the reality is for, for me, if, if at 20, if you're in a softball for the most part, you know, and at 30, you're in a paper plate and sometimes smaller for the most part. And then it kind of blows out past the paper plate from there. Um, Thirty is probably your max. You know, that's kind of your your for me or what I tell people. If you can keep it in a paper plate at thirty, you know, and and then you blow out after that, and you, you know, you start winging them. Thirty is about the distance you you know that that's probably your your comfort zone. And what do you kind of suggest to guys? Because I get that one a lot too. Like, what 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 should my limitations be? Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I'll shoot at an elk at 30. I mean, that's a bigger target. I'm, a, I'm not shooting at a whitetail at 30. It's just, and if you want to pick up, I'm not trying to impose my limitations on anybody else, but if you're going to pick up traditional archery, there's going to be a point where you got to let something walk. I mean, that's just the way it is. And let me tell you, that's a hard, hard thing to yeah. do, but I've let and so you much. You can't do it. I mean, just, it's just, yeah, you don't want to make yourself miserable. The thing right. is, is I've taken a couple shots that I should have let walk, and it only takes a couple, <laughs> and it's going to walk on the third because nothing. And they weren't all like, I, you know, I'm not saying I wounded something. Sometimes you just shoot, and you're like, Jesus Christ, on his throw, and I was so fucking far from hitting what I was wanting to aim or shooting at. Good God. And then you're, okay, maybe I'll take her back another 10. It might take someone telling you your imposed distance. It might take hands-on experience. But for for me, because I shoot at 40 a lot, I I can keep it well within a paper plate at 40 pretty much all the time. But I hardly ever, I've only shot two animals, I think, past at 40. And the situation has got to be perfect because I'm looking – Sub 20 is like what you're wanting, you know, and, and in a case you'd like talking about an elk, how far was the first shot on the elk? <laughs> Embarrassed. <laughs> it was seven yards and I pounded his shoulder like it was cool. <laughs> but your second uh, shot was money and it was 35? Yeah, and um, that's a that's a fun conversation I'm, I'm looking forward to having someday with uh, my buddies over at the push. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because they talk about shot process and all that stuff. Well, I can tell you when you're scared that uh, that bull is going to run another, you know, uh, 2,000 feet down, <laughs> there, there's not a lot of shot process going on. But, yeah, I mean, that's – I had a softball-sized target. That thing was quartering away super hard. And it's not a shot that I would ever take as a first shot. But uh, muscle memory, um, you know, having shot – gosh, you know, I can't – I don't know how many arrows. Uh, yeah, it just muscle memory takes over, and and uh, it just happens. So you know, backing up a little bit, uh, talking about um, uh, you know, you were talking about trad lab and 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 uh, you know, guys getting into it and, and taking advice. I, I do think that the uh, the twenty five, thirty five year old crowd in there, I think they're probably more uh, susceptible. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, they're looking for, they're a sponge, right? They're looking for all of this information out there. And there's so many people out there um, that proclaim, ah, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to piss anybody off, but you know, there's just, there's so much information out there that people, people think 
that they uh, I don't know. I want to want to back out of that. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> just spit it out. <laughs> no, no. I, I just don't know how to say it. I mean, there's so many when when somebody's trying to get into something, they're they're looking for all of this input when it's really not that damn complicated. I mean. Just take the basics. Look at what Tom Clum's saying and just do it. I think that you know, is the it, it, best way to explain it right there is the basics will get you. When I was talking about writing the book, it's going to get you to where you can write your own chapter with the basics. All that other stuff, in a lot of ways, is personal opinion. And that's my well, opinion. And look at look at guys like Randy, uh, Randy Cooling and Danny Sturgis and, uh, you know, Brian Burkhart or Jim Eckhout. I mean, look at all these guys that are just continually getting it done with the basics. You don't see them out there, you know, fretting over what their front of center is or how long their friggin' fletching is. Um, just go out and bow hunt, man. It's not that. It's not a. It's not rocket science. Well, I can tell you when the uh, when the eye opener for me was uh, oh, in the first year. And I was shooting and, it, it, you know, I, I shoot a lot better now, but I was I was shooting good. And in my mind, I I wasn't going to miss anything sub 40 yards or 37. And I missed a mule deer opening day three times at varying distances between 17 and 27 and uh, was left with carbon all over the air and me sitting down going, what in the fuck just happened? Right. And, and it was a, it was an, you know, this has nothing to do with the exact, you know, setup, but it wouldn't matter if I had four, two inch veins or five, 17 inch veins. <laughs> I, I missed, right. I just fucked up there multiple times. And so the thing is, is like, um, you know, I test, I do get into it super deep. I test all kinds of different stuff. And the one thing I've found is most guys, can't shoot well enough to tell the difference between four, three inch, three, four inch, three, five inch, five, three inch, whatever. Um, not five, three inch, four, five inch. You can't tell well enough. And so they're looking for an edge, right? They're looking for what someone's telling is going to give them the edge. My strong advice is your edge is going to be good form and practice with good practice. And the, the, um, oh, I'm at 23 front of center instead of 18%. Well, I don't think that's going to give you much of an edge compared to getting some lessons and practicing. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. my own personal opinion. And so when I get an yeah. email of a fucking book of a guy trying to get to 23% front of center who can't hit the barn wall from the inside of the barn, I'm like, maybe you should practice. Call me yeah, crazy. It, it, and that's, and, you know, with the trad labs doing or anybody else that, you know, gets into this stuff, that's all interesting. I mean, I, I read it, you know, it's interesting. It's not going to set the course of my life, nor should it uh, set the course of anybody. Just take, you know, take it for, take it for what it was worth. You know, put that info in the, uh, the old grinder and, and spit out something that you're, you're having fun shooting and uh, works well for you. Yeah. And some people have... Some people have really crappy release and maybe they need, you know, maybe they need six, five inch. I don't know if that's what works, use it. And, and that's, and this is, I want to make sure people under, I love the guys over at the push. Matt Zernzak I, I, is one of the, I don't, I don't know Cody Greenwood that well. I think what they're doing is amazing. But again, 
don't wrap your head around it so freaking tight that that your brains pop out. Like, get a good bow, get some a good basic setup with arrows, start shooting. The moment, and I, I can tell you this firsthand, Tom Clum talks about it all the time. I didn't need the trad lab because of how my brain works. And I say I didn't need the trad lab, I'm meaning that sounded horrible. I'm not saying I didn't need the trad lab. I figured it out by testing and evaluating myself. And I was laughing because Cody was, yeah, he's talking shit about three five-inch feathers. And I'm thinking, uh, uh, my manly, arrogant self is thinking, well, dude, I got about 40 animals laying on the ground in just under two years that said it's pretty fucking deadly. Works okay in the wind. <laughs> you know, now that's the arrogant side or whatever you want to call it of me. And then I'm thinking, you know what? I, I'm going to test this again in more depth. I'm going to put... You know, and what I found was was I, I like four four inch. Still, that's even more chicken wing hanging off the arrow. But Jesus Christ could come down and stand in front of me and tell me I need to shoot four three inch, and I am not going to do it on this specific setup because I'm confident in it. And so you got to build confidence in your own personal setup. And like you said, throw everything in the grinder, come up with what's confident for you and you feel comfortable with because people make it way more complex than they need to. I'll, I'll throw more out there and we can, we can get off this subject, but, uh, forums used to be a, a big, um, a big draw to people. You don't see it much anymore. You know, rock slides pretty, pretty popular. I go on there once in a while. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of good, good info on there. Uh, just people shooting a breeze, but you know, he's before, no, not before, but like trad gang. You're familiar with trad gang? Uh, yes, I get made fun of on there frequently. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you go on there and, and, and somebody legit, somebody legitimately asks a question, and you'll get, you'll get, uh, you know, 15 responses, and of those 15 responses, 14 of them have been guys that don't know, you know, what they've killed maybe one whitetail in their life. I mean, it's just phenomenal the amount of the amount of bad information that's out there. And I don't—I hate to just you know point out trad gang. This is the first one to come to, to mind. But you know, I think I was telling you one time one of the funniest moments of my uh, short life on forums was uh, somebody somebody went on there once and asked about uh, a broadhead. What broadhead would they use for for bear hunting? The guy was going to go on his first bear hunt in his life. And, you know, he's asking, it's a legitimate question. You know, what kind of broadhead should I shoot? So I, I was like, oh, man, you know, that's, that's a good question. So you know, I've killed a few bears, and I've seen a few bears killed. So I've, Which I've you're put being on there, you quite know, modest I, about that, but go ahead. <laughs> so I put on there, you know, what I felt was a well-thought-out uh, answer. Well, somebody jumps on there and says, starts off their answer with, Although I have not bagged anything yet with my bow, this is what I would use. And that was his exact frickin' words. And if you look down, the guy had over 15,000 posts. So you were on a forum giving advice. You've given advice, obviously, lots with over 15,000 posts. I mean, that's, I find that incredibly frustrating. <laughs> Look, I haven't had sex yet, but this is what I'm planning on doing when the moment comes. <laughs> Good analogy. Good analogy. Well, again, so, and I'll I get, get off that. That's my. That's kind of. That's kind of my. Uh, 
frustration. So I well, it's, said my piece. It's funny to talk about, and and again, I'm I'm not, you know, I I, I get accused of being, you know, arrogant or, or or overly confident or whatever, which is 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 justifiably so at times. And where a lot of that comes from, though, is I get a little irritated. And then I get going, and then I end up sounding like a dick, which I understand completely. I'm not denying that. But, for example, on Kafaro Insiders, you know, hey, what should my pack weigh for a 10-day hunt? So I counted all these responses. Two of the responses out of 48 had actually done a 10-day backpack hunt. What's that tell you for the info you're getting? Now, base this... You know, while we're making jokes or whatever. All right. The things that can happen on a 10-day backpack hunt. Your uh, air pad can pop, okay? You, food, right? You can eat more food than you thought you have because it's your first time. You can eat less food than you thought you've had. You can freeze to death, right? Communication. You miss home. Water purification. Your shelter blows away, right? You got all these different things that can happen. You you can unload the quiver in one day on a bad day and you need more arrows. You may need to sharpen broadheads. There's a plethora of things that can happen on a 10-day backpack hunt. Very few people uh, actually have 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 completed said task 10 days straight. There's not that many of them um, on your on your back. So it would be a lot like me because I've changed my oil saying, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to do when I rebuild my engine. This is how I'm going to do it. Never done it, right? Now, my mechanic friend has done like 7,000. Well, then if I start telling my mechanic friend and arguing with him about certain things because I changed my oil, he's probably going to get a little bit irate at me. That's kind of what happens with this. And so I've kind of I don't get on forums anymore and I try to just basic advice. And and I don't know how we got on this subject exactly, but, you know, when you're learning on on forums, it's just important, I guess, what I'm summing up or, or Facebook or social media you're getting advice from people that have actually done what they're talking about because it's it's legit advice. And I think Frank actually get, probably gets more pissed off than me about this because you can put people in jeopardy. And, and I'm not talking about with a bow setup, but with backpack hunting. And the other thing with the stick bow is um, that setup, you're taking an animal's life. And so do you want to take advice on how to take an animal's life by people who haven't actually done it? You really want to get advice from guys that have done it a lot because there's so much to learn. Anatomy. How much have you learned about anatomy oh. on an animal? You know, from, from wounds and hits and kills and everything else. From when you started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know how to quantify that. <laughs> Bunches. I I learn every time I shoot an animal, there's something I learn. And so, you know, I, I, get, I got a message, for example, the other day from a guy, and he, I was in the field and happened to be on my glassing point. He's like, dude, my buddy took a frontal shot, rage tripan, blood for 150 yards like crazy. We think he's dead. We can't find him. And I'm like, did he hit left or right? And uh, he's like, I, he's not sure. And I'm like, did you find a pool of coagulated blood in the bed? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, ah, that bull's probably okay. And I'm like, yeah. you hit the shoulder. He's like, will a shoulder muscle bleed that much? I'm like, you hit it with a fucking rage tripan, brother. That's like this. I mean, you just put a hole through the side of its shoulder. Yeah, that muscle's going to bleed a bit. <laughs> I'm like, but then it's going to go to paint 
and then it's going to go to nothing and it's going to give you some false hope but a muscle wound with a mechanical that wide will bleed way more than you think it'll and and I I'll be interested to get your opinion on this but I've double lunged heart shot many animals where I didn't get an exit hole that bled far less and died within 100 yards than a shoulder muscle shot has bled that will never find and that animal is going to be fine muscles bleed a lot especially when you hit them with an inch and three quarter hole and I think you know that comes with experience and, and sometimes it's not from good experiences where you learn stuff like that so if you get a guy telling you how to blood trail that blood trailed one animal you might not be getting the most in-depth advice because he hasn't done it a lot and that's just how life works there's not a lot i can add to that <laughs> you know uh how, how many times do you hear people say oh man i pinwheeled them but i couldn't find them well okay first off if you couldn't find them you didn't pinwheel them and yeah, yeah, uh, probably not <laughs> yeah I mean, muscle hits, they're notorious, um, you know, even, especially if you're in the snow. I mean, uh, it just looks like it's a massacre with a, with a muscle hit. But, yeah, eventually they quit bleeding. And what you think, you know, would, I think they say an animal's got to lose a third of its blood to, to, to succumb. Well, I don't know how much uh, blood is in an elk, but that's a hell of a lot you, of blood. You and can you Google it. That out. I did once. What's that? I Googled it once. Good oh, God. Yeah. A third of a blood. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that, like you said, that comes with experience. And uh, you don't get experience by sitting behind the computer screen and staring at your phone. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and again, I'm not saying this, you know, because, you know, there was even a post at one time about my, my the high horse I was on, and I totally get why, but you got to understand a lot of the stuff where I get on a tirade, it's because I've already screwed it up a lot. I didn't pop out of the womb knowing this stuff, and, and, and it's because, you, know, you, you know, whether you do it or your friends do it, you know, 20 years and a few hundred animals, you're... <laughs> There's a lot of bad shit and good shit that happens that you that you learn from. That recent mule deer I shot in the high country, I told you saw the exit or the 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 exit. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. that that thing didn't really bleed. Would you have believed that from the hole in it? No. It didn't pop out. I was high on the onside, low on the offside. The offside didn't poke through the hide. It just went through the muscle and the bone. And you know, I, if you would have told me that hole would have been there when I got that when I was tracking it. I'm thinking, good God, I think I just, you know, pulled a, you know, what's that ventriloquist on me. I, I convinced myself I hit somewhere I didn't. And, and as it turns out, I did pinwheel it. It didn't bleed a lot. But it, again, like you said, it. I found it because it didn't go more than, you know, 100 yards. Those different situations are from, from good and bad experiences, a collective of what you've gone through. And that's one of the reasons when I'm with guys like the Lancasters, I bring them up all the time is, They've seen thousands of animals hit the ground. And, you know, I'll, I'll text them. If I'm unsure of something, I'll be like, hey, dude, what do you think, man? This is what I'm thinking. What do you, what do you think happened? Generally, they're going to say something that's along the lines of what I'm thinking, but there's one out of every five times. They're going to have an experience that you or I may have never experienced from something they've done, and they're going to be like, hey, man, it might have done this. 
Well, they didn't pull that out of their ass. They had that happen to them. And they're like, well, this happened to us once. Take a look. And, you know, those are the things where, you know, it's valuable learning, you know, material. I mean, it's, I mean, really, it can't be quantified how important it is from from learning, from from seeing all those different kinds of things. And there's so much, animals are so tough. It's insane. You know, I, uh, I've, I've said since, you know, since I started the podcast and, and talk about my experiences. I don't want to come off sounding like a know-it-all or, you know, I've done it all because I haven't. I, I always go back to the fact that I've been really fortunate to hunt with some of the best hunters that I, I know of, you know, and so I've been able to pull on their experiences and, uh, you know, learn from guys that are just, you know, not well known, uh, by any means, but some of the best hunters and woodsmen that, uh, you know, of our time, I've just been really fortunate. So yeah, being able to, uh, being able to seek out those that know more than you and have more experience, uh, be careful looking for it on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, that up. I'm, I'm, you know, speaking for Rob myself, this wasn't one, this isn't a, a bash fest thing. This is just, I worry about the info guys get, and I want you to get the best advice you can. And that may not be for me or Rob, but I can say from, from, from personal experience, the advice that Rob gives or I give is what has actually happened. Not, you know, it's not, not in theory. fine print in theory. And I, and I, I make jokes about that all the time of, you know, a lot of people that comment said, should say in theory below it. Um, and that's, I mean, I can go on and on about different situations I've put myself in where I'm like, man, for a guy that knows what he's doing, this sure does suck because I didn't do this right. And then I talk about it when I get back because I, I made a mistake, whether it be gear or, you know, you know, whatever. I mean, a good good example, you know, silencing the clicker, right? Like I, I shoot yeah. a clicker and I put Luco tape on it. Well, all right. It, it, as, as much as I think I like to think I know, uh, I know far from everything, and I'm reminded of that all the time where I'm like, shit, I didn't think of that, and had Luco tape on the clicker, and my God, it's cold outside, and the freaking clicker won't click. The, the tape won't let it. <laughs> like, shit, so I pull all the tape off. Well, then later on the day, man, it's 60 degrees, and that clicker is loud as hell now. Now it's a click, and I'm like, fuck. So, you know, things like that, you know, depending upon how important the, the clicker is, if you live and die by it, you know, you're going to have to test that thing in multiple different temperatures. If you if you live and die by that clicker, you're not going to be able to figure that out from the basement or inside of a archery range. You know, I learned that the hard way because I, you know, wouldn't click, pulled the tape off, next thing you know. So things like that, as simple as that is, but that's one of the moments where I'm like, yeah, about the time I think I got this thing figured out, I'm, I'm constantly learning it. And, and in, in the case of a whitetail and a clicker, you know, I I like the clicker, but let me tell you what, whitetails don't like clickers. Um, <laughs> well, they do. It keeps them alive. Um, you you got to kind of, and guys ask me if I go to full draw or, you know, cl- go pull through the clicker. That clicker doesn't get hit much whitetail hunting. I can tell you that. I've, I've, I've truly <laughs> thought about a few times extending it an eighth. So I know I've done my best to try to get to it and then let her rip because, yeah, they, they get out of the way. And that clicker is, is not good in that case. Yeah. You know, backing up, backing up a bit, we, you know, we were talking about blood trailing. I, I believe, I firmly believe as hunters, not just bow hunters, uh, but as hunters, that is the hardest, um, skill to, uh, 
to obtain because there's so much uh, to it. What? Tell me the tell me the uh, the most difficult, most rewarding blood trail or eye-opening blood trail you've ever been on. Mm. Been on a few. I'll, I'll tell you the one of my own, which um, I'll just flat out say it. I shot a bull. Um, you know, I shouldn't talk, whatever. My dumbass moments. Shot a bull corner and to me at 80 yards at full bugle, right between the neck and the shoulder. Um, shooting a light arrow. Uh, accuracy wasn't an issue. Hit it right where I wanted. This is one of those moments where I never shot a light arrow again. I got about 12 inches of penetration, so I hit a lung. Um, bull bedded down, you know, ran off, bedded down. It was coughing up some lung blood. Um I knew bulls could live off one lung forever, and I knew there was a good chance this bull probably was going to. Of course, I got shit running down both legs. It's a 350 bull. Um, I pivot around, and uh, I think the bull, it's bedded in grass, think it's broadside, put a second arrow in it, another shot I shouldn't have taken quite far. Um, you know, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous it's going to get away. I'm not making the best judgment calls, and this all comes from experience. Put another one in, the same lung that's already popped, which sucks, and the guts decent penetration but i'm like okay assess the situation um i i didn't hit liver um i hit the same lung twice and i got stomach the bull's gonna die how much you know how quick whatever so initially i rushed the blood trail like an idiot and uh find big pool of blood lung blood in the bed and and i i pushed it out of the bed and you know, the bull's going uphill, um, which is not good, right? And i <laughs> like, okay, this sucks. I may not find this thing. And that's that night. We pull out, come in, and the next morning we're on blood. Cows get back with this the herd bull, and we're having trouble tracking it. We're having trouble finding blood. We come back out, and we're sitting at camp, and I'm like, man, that bull has 18 inches of one arrow and 12 inches of another. That bull is dead. We got to go back in there, right? And, and – uh I'm looking at a GPS for a, a death run. It's not following that, which they do that a lot where you can find, you know, kind of grid on a general line that you've, you've either marked or, you know, figured out an azimuth or, or a GPS has told you. And we're on hands and knees and, and things are looking desperate. And uh, we cross a log, no blood on one side. I happen to look back at my buddy and there's blood on the back of the log, right? Where he stepped over it. And, you know, we're talking, this is hours into this, right? Where, you know, the never give up mentality. I'm starting to think about this is just not going to be a good outcome. And uh, blood on the back of it. I mark it and I'm like, dude, let's look around, see if we can find more blood. If not, let's just start gridding right here. This bull cannot live. It's got to be dead around here. We start gridding out and my buddy actually, I hear him screaming. He, he found the bull. Now, you know, it's rewarding because we found it. Really, what's the most rewarding is I learned more from that specific, not just about blood trailing, also about being a dumb shit, um, from that specific blood trail um, than, I, than I had on probably all other ones combined. Because honestly, I hadn't had the blood trail that much because just about everything died when I hit it, right? It died quick. Um, now, fast forward, you know, you get you hunt with guys that can't shoot that well, well, you become a really good blood trailer. You, you hunt with guys that can shoot pretty good. You probably aren't going to be that good of a blood trailer. Um, you know, so that was one where I learned, you know, about being a dumb shit, taking shots I shouldn't, about pushing animals, when to push, when not. You know, I, I uh, another one, my, my tall buddy Jay uh, took a shot. I'm simplifying this story because it was 
quite comical how all of it panned out. He comes out of the woods, dude, super religious, never cusses, right? Just great guy. One of my best friends. He's, he's like six, nine, right? He looks like big bird comes out of the woods. I fucking got him. I got one. And I'm like, he's cussing. He must've hit one. And he's like, I'm like, where'd you hit it? He's like, I have no idea. I think I hit it in the neck. And I'm like, what? I'm like, the neck's a big, you know, it's kind of a big target. Where at? He's like, I don't know. And I get up on the blood and I'm like, dude, you sure you didn't hit it in the liver? Now keep in mind now it's, it's dark. I think I hit it up in the neck and I'm looking at the blood and I'm like, man, it's bleeding really good. And you know, next thing we know, we kind of figure out that he hit, probably hit it in the front of the leg's neck and just cut a wide open gash across the front of it. So in my... Wait, hang on a second. Now explain, explain that to me. So Again? he hit it with a mechanical. Um, it went uh-huh. across the front of the legs, straight across it through right. all the meat, below the neck, yeah. above the yeah. legs, and just ripped through it. We could kind of tell how yep. it was standing. So, you know, I, I um, in, in my opinion, in certain situations, if you have a one lung hit, depending upon the terrain, or a muscle hit, but it's a big muscle hit, you're almost better to push the animal to keep it bleeding to try and get another arrow in it because other than that, you're probably never going to find it because it's not a mortally wounded animal. Now, I'm going to get flack from this because guys are going to, Never push an animal. We're not talking TV where you shoot it in the stomach and they let it lay overnight and go get it the next day or a double lung hit, but they're not sure. And let's let it sit overnight. This is an animal that we're eight miles deep in the wilderness in thick bear country with coyotes in an area that we have a good idea. If we leave it and do find it, it'll be eaten by the next day. The chances of us finding it are slim unless we push it and we're in deadfall, which is the animal is showing is tearing out that hole more and more. It's going through deadfall. We're two physically fit guys. We can go as far as needed. I said, hey, let's push this thing. Let's just give her all we've got. I'll run this fucker down. He's like, dude, it's going straight downhill through deadfall. And I'm like, yeah, and it's tearing it open. And I think we can get it's bleeding so much. I think it's going to either heal up and we're going to lose it or we just keep this thing open and it's going to bleed enough to where eventually it's going to lose a third and it's going to get dizzy as hell and we're going to get another shot let's follow it dude or i don't think we're going to find it now a lot of people would argue with that but that's that was my opinion and that's what we did i threw both headlamps on my head and looked like a fat spider monkey flying down the mountain like just pushing this thing through timber it eventually no shit. Two o'clock in the morning. It sounded like a grizzly. It was bedded up. It had bled so much. We go up to it, put a second arrow in it. We found it and sure as shit, it skidded right across the front of the legs, had just an inch and a half deep cut straight across the chest leg area. It bled out from a muscle wound. That one I learned a ton from because I don't think one, we would have found it and it's kind of know when to hold them, know when to fold them. I th- a lot of people would argue with what we did, but that's happened on four different animals. One was a one lung hit animal that we were able to push it enough to get it weak to get a second shot. But you have to know when to do that. Um, anyway, I'm kind of actually curious to get your take on that. You know, that's that's uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, you describing that shot, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's be like the point of the shoulder, right? Medius like, point. Yep. 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 Um, you know, again, I'll go back to saying that uh, I've had the good fortune to hunt with 
some rock stars and one of my first elk blood trails um you know i was a buddy of mine hit an elk right there exactly there and uh learning how to use flagging how important flagging was because this bull absolutely wandered around doubling back on himself and and uh we took him forever and same thing exactly same spot it was hit and he finally bleeds out um you know, fast forward 25 years, 20, 25 years, I hit a bull, same thing. He's quartering away hard. Um, I thought I put it, I thought I put it uh, in a good spot and come to find out, same thing. I clipped that meaty section of the shoulder and the blood trail is awful because, um, you know, the blood is just running down his leg and I got blood in, in one single track. I couldn't figure out what was going on, but I kept pushing them um, because it felt right. And I find the bull bleeds out with that same exact shot. Uh, yeah, that's it, it, to me. Um, it was the the thing that stuck out in my mind was um, sticking to it, right? Because you're just finding one little drop every. Gosh, I don't know how far it was, but. The blood trail was brutal, you know, dry tracking it most of the way. But once in a while, you find a little blood. And, yeah, to bleed out with that muscle hit, it was pretty amazing. But well, and Experienced, man. You, yeah, I just say, you got to have the experience to know what to do, and that experience comes from getting your ass kicked <laughs> sometimes. Well, yeah. I'll give you an example of this. This is a funny story, and I'm going to bring up a name here. So I told that story uh, to to a guy that I used to work with um, about my opinion on a one lung or a muscle hit. Sometimes you got to push them. What he heard was push every muscle hit animal. So we're we're in Alberta, and he hits one in the neck, and uh, the deer goes and beds down. And for whatever reason, he thought it was a bright idea to just walk at it and push it. And you know the guy, the guide who's another good friend of mine, is like, what are you doing? And and this guy totally is is incapable of, sec- of accepting any blame for anything. He immediately drops a manhole cover on me. Ah, Snyder said to push any muscle-wounded <laughs> animal. And, and, and this other guy, you know, I'd worked with quite a bit, he's like, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. And he's like, well, if he said it, he didn't mean it that way. He's like, dude, the deer bedded. Like, so, and I'm only telling this story to if... You know, of course, this guy is an internet celebrity with a total animal of like 12 animals on the ground. You do not push every muscle hit animal, depending upon the terrain. If you're in Alberta, eastern Colorado, in an area where an animal is going to bed, you you reboot. You treat that animal like you, you haven't hit it in a lot of ways, and you stalk it just like a fresh animal. You just have the added bonus that he's probably a little weak and he, he may be less apt to get more up, up, but he also may be on high alert because he's been hit and he's scared shitless and he's just looking for shelter to, to heal up. These are all things you have to take into consideration. You hit an animal and you watch it rebed, consider that a gift from God to go back in on him and get a second shot if it was a muscle hit because he's going to sit there until it coagulates. So you got some time. Now he may move after that, but don't go running after it like an idiot, right? Pull out, circle back, come in on it again. Again, if it's a situation like my buddy Jay and I were in, 
Totally different story. We didn't have another option. It was after dark. We were never going to find it. There's more bears in this area than anywhere. So, you know, we had to take those into all those things into consideration. And, and that's, again, I mean, that comes from experience. And usually, you know, a lot of times that experience may not be good, but you do learn from it. Conversely, um, you know, walking away from an animal um, and coming back, I don't know, five, six years ago, you know, I put an arrow in a whitetail buck that I felt was good. It was a chip shot, man. It was super easy shot. I felt like it was good, but watching his reaction, I had to, I had to come to the realization that I just squared him up in the guts. I'm sure of it, you know, because reactions don't lie. Right. And, and, and the way he hunched up, I was super bummed. You know, I was in the, it was probably four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, I can't believe it, but I'm pretty sure I just blew that shot. Get out of the stand, go home. I mean, I just had to come with the reality that I got to go back in there at first light because if I push that animal, I'm probably never fine. And, you know, he, he went like 150 yards, bedded down and, and expired sometime during the night. Uh, yeah. Uh, being honest with yourself with, <laughs> no, I didn't just pinwheel him because the way he hunched up, that's a gut shot. Right? Oh, yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's a very good point. I'm glad we're talking about this because I've gotten so many messages from guys for, you know, good and, 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 and bad and blood trailing and everything else. And, uh, either, you know, there's thinking back, you know, a lot of different times where if to me, how I kind of look at it is if I'm certain I hit guts. I'm, I may not pull out, but I just sit there, right? I just, I just sit and wait, and I mark the time I shot it. I might walk up, or I say I might. I will walk up to where the animal was hit and make sure and mark that so I don't lose where the shot was taken in the hit. But, you know, you've got four to six hours at a minimum on a gut shot, and the last thing you want to do, do is push it because they still got a lot of life left in them. They may be in pain. And they will go a long, long, long ways. And so, you know, the other thing is, okay, liver. Did you hit liver? Did you hit, you know, and what, what's it look like initially? What, like you talk about the hunch. Man, they hunch up like that. It's a pretty good sign you're waiting a long time. You know, they act sick. Um, and, and those are all things, again, like you, you, you got to really, I always say, assess the situation and kind of sit back. And if you got a buddy kind of take a collective of, okay, <laughs> what did you see? Well, okay, well, that's not what I saw, but I'm probably lying to myself. So that's probably what happened, right? You got to really look into things, you know, because the last thing you want to do is lose it. No, and, and uh, lying to yourself. I mean, that's that's a big one because it's it's not on purpose. But you think you, 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 think you saw what you want to see. You didn't actually see what occurred. <laughs> and I knew, <laughs> you know, I haven't done it long enough. I knew with that buck, like, I think I just uh, double lunged him, but that was not a double lung reaction. So, well, and and again, I I said it on you know just recently on that, um, not the not the mountain goat because that one was pretty, it died quick. The the mule deer, you know, I had shit running down both legs. I'm some ten yards from five, well, six bucks. I didn't see one. Five bucks, amazing stock. I had had my ass kicked, which will really make you see things that you want to see that don't happen. And I shot that deer and I thought I saw a perfect shot and I didn't have a lot of blood. And then I'm thinking, huh, 
I better just back off a little ways here and chill out, put a chew in, calm down, because you can make yourself see some pretty amazing things that did not happen. And that's, again, you know, when in doubt, yeah, back out. It's not going to hurt the animal. It's not going to spoil the meat to wait a while. Um, I never do. Everybody, you know, a lot of people say wait a half an hour, an hour. I I generally don't do that. Um, But, you know, again, like there's other times where, you know, you um, most of the time um, you're probably going to see what you know, what, what actually happened. I hit that buck in Alberta a couple years ago. I made a perfect shot. The arrow hit the offside leg and bounced, bounced out. And I see the feathers back by the stomach. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ on his throne, Snyder, what did you just do? And then I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, my God, I'm two feet from where I thought I hit. And then I'm really (laughs) like, well, luckily the animal ran out and tipped over. But in the course of 15 seconds, I'm, I went from like sure pinwheel 12 to, oh my God, I think I shot in the ass. And, and so those that you really got to pay attention when you, when an animal, when an arrow gets released, cause it, you, you kind of go batty after that. You, you, that's how you lose range finders and GPSs and knives. <laughs> you, you, you're just not the normal person, the person you normally are with adrenaline. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, if somebody wants to, to pick up animal reaction behavior after the shot, especially bad shots just go on youtube <laughs> go oh, on YouTube God. Or, or watch the outdoor channel and and uh, you'll get plenty of uh real um uh, reactions from animals regardless of the uh hit generally like i said a bad hit yeah yeah for sure well, well man we're working on an hour and 40 this lasted a lot longer than i i thought it was going to um but uh i've heard that before i know right um <laughs> <laughs> the uh, oh, that's funny, but every I, I encourage everybody to go um, follow uh, Stickbow Chronicles on on Instagram, social media in general, and then uh, you, I think people would be surprised uh, whether you shoot a, a Stickbow or not. Um, you know that that podcast with the dude from Montana is one of my you know favorites. That guy was super super cool. But you know, get on there and uh, check it out. I think you you'll enjoy it, and I really appreciate you coming on here. Oh, no, no, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun, and, yeah, you, you come on, and, and we shoot the breeze quite a bit. One of the, uh, you know, we hit uh, one of the podcasts you and I did not too long ago with that. We called it After the Shot, and uh, there, was some, there was some good information come out of that one. Yeah, um, yeah, check us out. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. I'll, uh, if I don't, I'm sure I will. If I don't talk to you, I'll keep you posted on the, um, the events of Alberta while I'm up there. Sounds good, buddy. All right, take it easy. All right, later.